Hello and welcome to Grafted In. In this episode, we will be looking at barley and wheat. And what do we mean by that? Well, right now, at, during the time of this podcast, is the time between Passover and Pentecost, and it's actually closer to Pentecost. And barley and wheat are specifically mentioned. At the beginning of Passover, it's the time of barley. And during Pentecost, you see, it's the time of wheat. So what significance do they play, and what do they mean at these specific mentions? All right, let's start with barley, since it is mentioned first. Barley is a member of the grass family. It is a self-pollinating diploid species with, here it is, 14 chromosomes. Now, diploid cells have two homologous copies of each chromosome, usually one from the mother and one from the father. Now, in this particular case for barley, you have seven on one side, seven on the other. They mirror each other, which equals 14. Now, what have we discovered in all these previous podcasts? Seven, the magical number, the holy number, obviously. The world was created in seven days. On the seventh day, God rested. You have the seven Shemitah years. Uh, The Sabbath is on the seventh. So you see the significance of seven. So you have seven plus seven equals 14. You have seven plus seven, one on one side, one on the other. What could it possibly be referring to? Maybe Old Testament and New Testament. The sign of completion. Now, wild barley has a brittle spike. Upon maturity, the spikelets separate, facilitating seed dispersal. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's think about this in the crucifixion of Jesus. What was placed on Jesus' head? A crown of thorns, or spikes, if you will. Now, the spikes, it says in barley... Um, They separate, facilitating seed dispersal. So the spikes placed on Jesus' head facilitated seed dispersal, which means blood. They put the spikes on his head, his head started to bleed, and there was the dispersal of the blood. So that's what we're looking at with barley. All right, let's move on to wheat. And in wheat, the leaves emerge from the shoot apical meristem in a telescoping fashion until the transition to reproduce, for example, flowering. And the last leaf produced by a wheat plant is known as the flag leaf. It's denser and has a higher photosynthetic rate than the other leaves. Now let's look at this. The wheat, which is the second one mentioned that says it's a flag leaf as it's coming up. Let's look at the definition of a flag. The definition is, a flag is used as a symbol or a signaling device. And in this instance, the wheat is a signaling device, just like it it, will... Here we go, Leviticus 23. Verse 15, 
You shall count from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf, a tied bundle of grain, of the wave offering, there you shall seven you shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. All right. There's two things specifically mentioned here. First, it says, on the day you brought in the sheaf, the bundle of grain, that was the barley. Then in the bottom part of this verse, it says you'll present a new grain offering to the Lord. That's the wheat. But let's look at some of the numbers here. There's 50 days from Mount Sinai to the receiving of the Torah, 50 days between Passover and Pentecost, 50 years for Jubilee, and 50 days on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. So, in Leviticus 23, 17, you shall bring in from your places two loaves of bread as a wave offering made from two tenths of an ephah of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Now, what could this possibly mean? Two loaves, Old Testament, New Testament, Jew, Gentile. And you also see here it says two tenths of ephah of fine flour, which means two equal portions. Two equal portions meaning they're exactly the same. They, they, the same amount. Now the wheat, the flag, the wave, or the signal. What does it mean? What is it signaling? Verse 18, Leviticus 23, 18. You shall offer with the bread seven unblemished lambs, one year old, one young bull, two rams, there to be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offering. It is an offering by fire, a sweet and soothing aroma to the Lord. Now, everything at this point has to be offered together to be pleasing. The seven lambs, everything was perfect and completed. Seven days in a week, it, it shows perfection and completion. But everything had to be together, everything had to be in the sacrifice together to be a pleasing sacrifice. All right, and moving on to verse 19 in Leviticus 23. You shall sacrifice one male goat as a, here it is, sin offering, and two male lambs, one year old, as a sacrifice of peace offerings. Hmm, what in the world do you think those could sig signify or mean? Well, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to convict of sin, remember the first one was sin offering, and bring shalom. Now, let's look at that word shalom. Shalom is obviously, oftentimes referred to as peace, but it has deeper and more meaning than that. Shalom can also mean completeness and peace. And in some instances, it's also hello and goodbye. But in this instance, it says one male goat is a sin offering, the Holy Spirit convicted the world of sin. And then two male lambs as a peace offering. 
two male lambs, peace and completeness. So the Holy Spirit convicted the world of sin and brought shalom, which is completeness and peace. And what I mean by completeness, remember it said you had to bring everything together for that sacrifice? They brought the lambs and the bull and the ram and the bread. Completeness, putting it all together. Verse 20 in Leviticus 23. The priest shall wave them before the Lord as a wave offering together with the bread and the first fruits and the two lambs. They are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On the same day you make a proclamation, you are to have a holy convocation, which means an assembly or everybody has to get together, calling everybody together. You shall do no laborious work that day. There's a permanent statue throughout generations wherever you may be. So it's an everlasting covenant. Now, what significance does this play? Ah, if you look closely, this is what was being given to Moses. And it was completed in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Remember how it said you to make a holy convocation, calling everybody together? They were all in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like a riding, mighty rushing wind. Okay, so let me put this in perspective and, and go back just a minute and, and show you how it all comes together. Remember the barley was mentioned first, and that was right around Passover. Then the wheat around Pentecost. And remember how we said that the barley was seven plus seven, had 14 chromosomes, and it symbolizes seven plus seven, or Old Testament plus New Testament, or Jew plus Gentile. It's showing completion, things coming together as one. And how the way that is done, the spikelets uh, facilitating seed dispersal, well, the spikelets, the crown of thorns on Jesus' head, and the shedding of his blood to make everything one. Now you're starting to see where I'm going with this. And then the, the wheat. The wheat uh, had a, a leaf at the very, very, very end it shoots up and is called the flag leaf. And that flag leaf was a symbol or a signaling device. So this signaling device, the wheat, was showing that it's time to get the sacrifices all together. Notice how I said all together in one place where, where they, oh, first they waved the, Two loaves of bread. Two loaves of bread, obviously meaning Jew, Gentile, New Testament, Old Testament. All things are coming together. Then all the sacrifices, the, the bull and the goat and the sheep and the bread, all of it together in one pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. So the barley and the wheat 
all coming together and pointing to Jesus and what he did to make all things one through him. That's why in the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. It means he makes all things come together to be unified and one. And, and that's was the design from the beginning through uh, barley and wheat. Is that not crazy? And it was in the completion of Acts chapter 2. In verse 1, where it says they're all together, and all the way down 38 through 40, where, where you see the Holy Spirit coming and, and convicting of sin, and then coming together and, and giving shalom, peace, and completeness. Now, you see the culmination here in Leviticus, go on down to 23, verse 22. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap to the edges of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the poor and for the stranger, for I am the Lord your God. Now let's define some things here. Gleaning. Gleaning is the act of collecting the leftover crops from farmers' fields after they've been uh, harvested. So it says here, leave the edges and leave the gleaning, or as you're harvesting and you drop some, you don't go back and pick it up. You just keep on going. So the gleaning is what those that was dropped that they didn't go back for. So the edges of the field and what was dropped was what was left for the poor and the stranger. And I started looking at that and said, well, the poor and the stranger. Remember how Jesus said that the gospel was to the Jew first, then the Gentile. The Jew first, then the Gentile. The poor and the stranger. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying, hmm, wonder what that could mean. Well, if you look at that, the Gentile, it, it said, leave the harvest edges. If you have a field, there's four corners right? The edges. The gospel is to go to the four corners of the earth. So in those four corners of the earth, guess what was left? The four corners for what? The Gentiles, the strangers, the ones that do not know Yehovah or the Lord our God. So the four corners was left open for the gospel. The four corners of the earth. And what was dropped and what was left and what was not harvested. So the poor and the stranger, the poor representing the Jews that did not understand what was going on. They were there the whole time during the harvest and they just get what was dropped. But for us who are Gentiles on the outside, we get what's on the corners of the field. So that we too can share in the harvest and share in the bountifulness now, let's continue. This is proven in two specific scriptures, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Remember, Jew and Gentile, Old Testament, New Testament. All right, Exodus 32, verse 27. He said to them, Thus said the Lord your God Israel, Every man 
strap his sword on his thigh, and go back and forth from the gate to gate throughout the camp, and every man kill his brother, and every man his friend, and every man his neighbor, all who continue pagan worship. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people of Israel were killed that day. Now let me stop here and explain what's going on. Moses had just come down from the Mount of Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments, and they were worshiping a golden calf, a story that's kind of well known. And so their consequence of this is Moses just said, you know what, you're going to continue to uh, do pagan worship. Here it comes. Just, just kill him. And about 3,000 people died because of their pagan worship. 3,000. And these were Israelites. They had just come out of the land of Egypt. These were the chosen, God's chosen, but 3,000 died. Now, let's look at the mirror image of that. And the mirror image of that is in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, the New Testament. It says, Peter solemnly testified and continued to admonish and urge them with many more words saying, be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. So then, those who accepted his message were baptized. And on that day, 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> from the very, very beginning at Mount Sinai, and, and, and that's where Pentecost began, 3,000 were lost. And at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 were saved. I just can't believe that. that, that that's that's mind-boggling. On Pentecost, when it began, from Mount Sinai, when it was instituted and says, hey, this is Pentecost, so you can remember that a, another Pentecost is coming in the future. So when Moses comes down to Mount Sinai, and here's Pentecost, 3,000 died. In Acts chapter 2, it, when Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, came to complete, remember shalom, completeness? The Holy Spirit comes to complete Pentecost, and 3,000 were saved. It's just, that's just, wow. If you've never seen that before, you just sit you just stand back and go, wow. You, you see the starting of it in, in Exodus and what it's pointing to in Acts chapter 2 and the completeness. And here you see it all started from Pentecost to pa or from Passover to Pentecost. Uh, you see the barley and the wheat. You see Passover. You see Pentecost. They all come together to worship and to be a pleasing sacrifice. So what's the point to all of this? It's a direct prophecy and promise and covenant that in the Old Testament from day one from Mount Sinai, God instructed Moses to instruct Israel. He said, this is what's coming. This is how I'm going to make everything complete again and have everybody come together. And the way that's going to happen is Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come. And 
he's going to be the ultimate perfect lamb sacrifice. And then he's going to raise again. And when he raises again, he's going to say, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, that will be the completion of Pentecost. The completion of the Pentecost that was instituted way back from the days of Moses and Mount Sinai. So this is an everlasting covenant. This is why he said you're supposed to remember this. Because it started there in Mount Sinai and ended in Acts chapter 2 to come to a completeness and a fullness. So that Jews, Gentiles, the whole world, four corners of the earth, could come together as one. All come together for that perfect sacrifice of praise and worship to be holy and acceptable to him, the designer and author of our faith. So that to give us shalom.